The Dugout CEO Podcast is on the air. I'm Phil Van Horn, baseball lifer and fan of the Dugout CEO. Each week, Casey Cavell goes around the horn with baseball superstars, Hall of Fame coaches, and business leaders who've used baseball experience to win the game of life. Now batting, Casey Cavell. Dugout Nation, excited about our guest today. Today, I am joined by Billy Burns, who is a father of four, soon to be five, former Major League Baseball player and current Atlanta real estate extraordinaire and my good friend. Billy, welcome to the Dugout CEO podcast. Thank you, Casey. I appreciate being here. Yeah, man. Appreciate the opportunity. We've known each other for several years now, I think, when you were transitioning out of Major League Baseball, and it's been cool to get to know you and your family and see your progress and growth, both personally and professionally. And I know our listeners are going to be thrilled with the knowledge that you're going to give them today. Oh, well, I hope they're not expecting too much, but yeah, I'll give what I can. Yeah. Well, good, Billy. Well, Hey, talk to me. I, I know a lot of people know your baseball background and all that kind of stuff, but like, how'd you get into the game originally? So it's funny. Somebody asked me that last night. I was watching the Mercer Bears play against Georgia Tech and somebody asked me that. Essentially, I mean, I started at an early age just playing baseball and then went on and just every year was just trying to make the next team. Like when I was entering middle school, I just wanted to be on a certain travel team. When I was entering high school, all I wanted to do was work my way up to making varsity. And then, you know, every year I just, the passion kept going and the the fire stayed lit and just kept moving on to the next step and trying to get to the next level and I guess it kind of snowballed from there and just kept going. So that's kind of the story and played, played football in high school. But so I kind of had some conflicting passions there a little bit because I did want to play football in college and I just knew my long-term career would have been baseball for longevity and just my size. Cause I'm not a very big guy. So. Sure. Well, there's something about small guys that I can really relate to because I'm, I'm in your ballpark too now. You accomplished 10 times more on the baseball diamond than I ever did. And I want to talk about that, Billy, because you really accomplished a ton. And when we look at you coming out of high school, were were there a ton of offers? Were you a top, you know, a top recruit? Like talk to me about that. And then your journey from college into professional baseball. Yeah, not at all. As far as offers go, I, I remember somebody came to watch our first baseman at the time at Walton High School here in East Cobb, Georgia. And somebody was watching him at Mercer University, and that's just a small school right in the middle of Georgia here. And they were looking at him, and I just made a couple good plays in center field, a couple games they were watching, and they caught on to me, looked at my numbers, talked to the coach about me, and and thought that they would give me a chance to play center field at Mercer University. And so that's really how I got seen. I didn't get talked to by Georgia, by Georgia Tech, None of the big schools, no SEC schools. There was a couple other smaller schools that were definitely recruiting me, like Furman and some other places as far as baseball goes, but really didn't have a lot of attention. And then Mercer was kind enough to offer me a full ride, which was half academic and half athletic. And, you know, I just committed pretty early, like junior year. And I just knew that, you know, somebody was giving me a shot. So I was taking it. I love it. I love it. And that's cool. I mean, One of my coaches early on told me, you never know who's watching from the time you step off the bus, right? Until the time you step on the field and off the field. And when we used to interview people for one of our businesses, we would literally 
watched them get out of their car and how they walked from their car into our building and then how they left our building and walked into their car because body language and everything really matters in life and business. I think that's really cool. And yeah, you weren't the prize recruit, but you made it. So like, how did you make it from Mercer to the big leagues? Like, what was that journey like, the ups and the downs? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to put just a simple sentence together that explains how I made it. I mean, I always look back and, and see the guys I was playing next to at every step of the way. I mean, even from high school, there was growing up in East Cobb, everybody in baseball knows East Cobb, George, like East Cobb baseball is huge. And so I'm playing next to like some monster physical specimens and looking back, I'm like, man, how did that guy not become like a 10 year veteran all-star in the major leagues? And like, he didn't even make it to maybe pro ball or maybe he fizzled out after low A or high A. And I look back and I'm like, I really don't exactly know how I made it. But the only thing I contribute is like, God had a plan for me. He guided me along the way and, and he put all the right pieces kind of together. What you said, which is you never know who's watching, that really speaks to me because there was a player that I grew up with here at East Cobb. He was on all my rec league teams, like before travel ball, everything like that. We played basketball together in rec leagues around here. And I never knew this back in the day, but his dad was a very notable scout for the Braves growing up. And he was gaining notoriety as a Brave scout. He was watching me play with his son in all these different leagues, like basketball. He watched me play baseball. And then he scouted, you know, Walton High School when I was at Walton High School. And he would even come to the Walton High School football games because he just happens to live in the same district. And he would watch me play that. So like, he was watching me from the time I never even knew. And like you said, like you just never know who's watching you. And he's really the one who gave me the shot. He, he drafted me out of high school. And then he drafted me three years later out of Mercer University. And he's the only scout who really talked to me before either of the drafts. And he just believed in me. And so he gave me the chance. I love it. That's fantastic. And, you know, when we look at your baseball career, you know, they talk about five tool players. What of the five tools did you have, or did you just have them all? I had speed, and that was that was my tool. I mean, everything stemmed off of my speed. You could make an argument. I mean, I could hit for average, but frankly, I wasn't like that great of a hitter. I would just put the ball in play and use my speed. So, like, my speed was so valuable because everything else in my game was catapulted just by having elite speed. And so that's another thing, like I really maximized my speed in the off season. I wasn't out there trying to learn how to hit home runs or do anything crazy like that. I was making sure that after my workouts, I was going to the track and running and working on my jumps and things like that. Who'd you play with that was probably the best power hitter you ever played with? Oh man. There, I mean, there's some freaks out there, man. I mean, in 2019, I was in spring training with Aaron Judge, so it's hard to argue against him being one of the greatest power hitters of all time, if not just our generation. But I would have to say Aaron Judge, yeah, just spring training with him and, and getting to play alongside of him in the outfield, things like that. It was really fun. Sure. I remember you were telling me a cool Jorge Soler story. That might be a story for another time, but I know he was a – big monster power hitter and hit that home run in the world series a couple years ago. Now, let me ask you this, Billy, and this is, I think, important. 
did you ever like compare yourself to Aaron? I'm like, why can't I do that? Or did that ever like get you down or be like, why can't I hit a ball like that? No, not, not a guy like Aaron judge. I mean, he's like twice my size, but there's certainly been some smaller players in my time where I'm looking at them and they've got like these absolutely like cannons for like uh, for arms coming from the outfield. And I do wonder like biomechanically, like why was I able to get that same whip action, that same carry on my ball? Because it's not like I was less strong than any of those guys, like in the weight room, as far as that goes, like I could lift with anybody, but there were certain times where I'd be like, you know, why can't I get some of the drive that some of these little guys get? But at the end of the day, like I didn't worry too much about all that because I knew my niche and I knew my game. And that is something I definitely developed in college, which is just like knowing my game and then maximizing those tools that I had. I literally just got the chills. I was like thinking this of like how, I, I don't know if it's confident, but secure you are in your own skill set and your own ability mm -hmm. and not worrying about, Hey, I'm not Aaron judge or, Hey, I'm not this person. Or, I'm a, I know my niche. I know what I'm great at. I'm going to maximize that. I'm not going to worry about everybody else around me. I'm just going to do what I do really well and maximize that where I think a lot of people, they try to be somebody in life or in business that they're not. And I've got caught up in that trap of, Hey, why can't I do what they do? Or why can't I do this? And you know, God's given me certain abilities and they're not self-limiting beliefs, but I was built a certain way. You were built a certain way and your niche got you to the big leagues, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I can't tell you the amount of guys that I watched by the decisions they made. They thought they could be somebody they weren't like, you know, even, even bigger guys who really just didn't have a lot of like generating power, like to, to hit for power those guys would try to hit for power, but they're just out of their element because they never developed it or, or for whatever reason. And I watched them kind of flounder themselves out of the game because they tried to be something they weren't. And in little guys too, like little guys trying to hit for power or trying to go gap to gap, like deep fence kind of hitting. And they just, the coaches see them as uncoachable kind of. And that's another big deal when it comes to like trying to make it, you really need people on your side along the way. And that goes for business too. I mean, you know that. So you definitely need some people vouching for you that you need people to believe in you. So if you're doing things that are out of your element, people are going to see that and notice it pretty quickly because it's easy to see it when you're watching from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just keep hearing authentic, be real, be honest, be open, encourage one another, have others that can encourage you. Now, it just reminds me of, you know, Major League. Remember when Willie Mays Hayes is trying to hit the home run? Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, stop, Willie. Just get on base and steal, mm, right? Mm -hmm. That is such a good reference right there, yeah. All right, Tangent, favorite baseball movie of all time. Oh, man. Favorite baseball movie? I'm a sucker for Angels in the Outfield. I really love the inspirational movie, even though it's so unrealistic. I, I like that movie. It's just fun. It's wholesome. You know, you don't get a lot of movies like that anymore. Yeah, I love that. I was, gosh, I was talking to Shay Hildebrand the other day on the podcast. Oh, nice. His favorite one. Well, I don't know if it was his favorite, but For Love of the Game got brought Okay. Remember that? Great movie. Yeah. I love that movie. I love Field of Dreams. I mean, all those just bring you like that old school passion for baseball. It's great. Yeah. And we were, we were talking with Shay about in that movie for love of the game where you eliminate the mechanism. You remember all the people in Yankee stadium that are yelling at him and whatever, but he just 
clears his mind and he focuses on the glove. And I think you were able to do that, obviously, because you knew your niche, knew your talent. You just did it really well. But what is that like being a major league baseball player, whether you're a major league baseball player or you're a CEO or a business owner or you're a leader, like there's a lot of pressures and stresses and outside stuff that can mess with your mind. And it truly is a battlefield in the mind to win in anything in life. Like what is that pressure and stress like, you know, in the big leagues? It's, it, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's intense and it's not like it goes away. So even like in my best seasons, you, I can be hitting really well in the season, but at the end of the day, like I got to keep up that standard the entire season. You can't just have one good month and then just say, you know what, I'm going to coast here the rest of the way. It doesn't work that way. And your mind shifts and then you sink into a slump. And so you really just have to be on all the time, it feels like. And that is a lot of pressure to deal with. But I think that like, for instance, like in business, like you mentioned, like the, the baseball pressure, I feel like, was so constant and it was so it was so long. Even in the offseason, you're you're working out because you know that next year you're going to be competing against 30 other teams, outfielders in my case. And no matter what team another player is on, they're, they're always kind of out for your job. So there was never any, like, letting off the gas. And if, you, if I ever did or if I ever, like, kind of thought I was kind of figuring things out at the plate or something like that, I always slipped into a slump and it's just a dangerous game there. So you always just kind of have to be on and dealing with the pressure is, is tough. But for me, I always leaned on my prayer life, getting into the word and just having God as a crutch and in those moments, like mentally, because it's a very, very hard mental battle. But I feel like the guys who kind of had somebody like a spiritual belief there to, to lean on definitely handled it better than, than the other guys. I love that. I love that. Super cool. Now, professionally speaking now, I know you're a star of what you do now. Talk about the transition from Major League Baseball. You were kind of figuring out, do I want to make another run at it? Do I want to get into something new? You know, there's a lot of people listening to this. They might be in a transition period. It might be in something that they don't want to be in, or there's a new season of life. How did you make the transition? And then talk a little bit about what you do now. Yeah, so it was interesting timing for me and my family. We had our third baby on the way after the 2019 season, my elbow had been killing me like later part of the season trying to swing. And so I realized that I needed to get some rehab for it. I needed to figure it out because it was hurting me just to like, you know, do that most in right-handed. And I ended up having a hole in my ligament there near my elbow. I needed to get it repaired surgically. So I had surgery in December and thought I was going to just train like any other normal off season and try to play another year, see what happened. But then my legs and my knees kind of hurt after the recovery of the surgery. I don't know if it was being stagnant or what, and was praying about it a ton. And then felt like God was just like, Hey, you need to rest. You can't play. Your body is <laughs> literally falling apart. I felt like. And so I just came to my wife one morning and said, Hey, like, babe, I can't, I don't think I can play next year. I think I'm done. And so my goal initially, like mentally, I was like, I'm done for next year, but I'm definitely going to try to rehab, get back and keep playing, try to give this, this game another ride. But God had other plans for that. So what I did was one of my biggest passions was real estate. So I really wanted to just invest in real estate. And my wife wasn't comfortable with that with a third kid on the way, transitioning job, that kind of thing. So I 
said, okay, I'll get my real estate license, got my license and dove headfirst into being a realtor. That way I could prove to her, but also stay in the space, prove to her that I knew what I was doing, earn some income. And then we ended up having our third child. Then we had our fourth child and now we have our fifth on the way. And so I, I haven't been able to jump into the real estate investing, but it's definitely the passion for me. So that's definitely where I'm heading. Awesome. Super cool. And then what do you think, you know, I was on the golf course with you a few weeks ago and, you know, just seeing the way that you were able to be present for your clients. Is it hard being a real estate agent? Because you work sometimes on the weekends or at night, and then you got these days where maybe there's not a bunch going on. Like, how are you as a professional able to be present with clients, with family? I mean, you got four kids, one more on the way, you're married, you got a lot going on. Talk to me about that. Like, how are you able to get it all done in life? It is very challenging. It is a transition. I mean, when you come out of baseball, baseball is like, man, you just show up to the field and you're there all day. And that's all you had to do. Like just show up and then do what you're supposed to do at the field. But in real estate, it, it is a little different because sometimes clients have hair on fire type situations and I'm, I'm their talking point. I'm their uh, connection to the deal. And so they're, they're calling me all hours of the day, all hours of the night. And they're telling me like, for instance, a pipe burst when we were on the golf course the other day, a pipe burst in my client's front yard and we're supposed to close on the house. And that's a big deal to the other party. So just talking her through that, calming her down, those, those type of situations do come up. Managing the schedule is probably the hardest part for me. I have the four kids now and dealing with like, you know, having to be gone during dinner time sometimes because that's the only time somebody can see a house. It is challenging on my wife, but we have gotten a lot better at it. And I am trying to find time to kind of put the phone down, be with my family at times, get a little rest. And that's one of the things I've been learning in our Bible study that we attend is just to like find times to get rest period because God really sewed that into the rhythm of life. And it's very important, I feel like, to get some rest every now and then. But you can, in real estate, you can be go, go, go all the time if you want to be, but you really need to like put the phone down, rest for a little bit, recover, and then get, jump back into it when you can. I love it. Do this little assessment with clients every once in a while. There's seven questions and it kind of evaluates the culture and health of a business. And one of them is, how well do you maintain balance? And everybody's score was low. His was low. It was like a, it was like a one. He goes, I'm not even going to answer the question because I don't believe in balance. I believe wake up and you go, go, go. And no joke, six months later, he, he had a, he had a time where he just truly burned wow. out. And I thought that was interesting because whether we all think we need it, we do need it. And I'm excited to see how you've been able to do that now with clients or your wife or whatever, like, are you able to set like agreements of, Hey, this is when I'm going to talk and this is when I'm going to meet. So you are able to kind of, when you're with that client, you're not with two or three other clients at the same time. How does that work? Yeah, I definitely have to, I use my Google calendar, like, you know, to map out my day. And like, for instance, my son's in baseball on Saturdays right now, every time I see when his game is, I, I literally just block it off of my calendar. If it's something just completely urgent need to be there i could obviously miss that but i have not missed a game yet for him and i try to make sure i'm at all my kids events when i can be 
So, but it is very challenging. Like certain clients want to go certain times. That's where I lean on other people. If you've read the book, Who Not How, that really spoke to me because I can call on teammates, people that are in real estate, and they can go assist my clients, show them a house if I can't be there. And I really try my best to lean on other people when, when I have a conflict. I like that. So you don't have to be the solution to everybody's problem. You have other people that could potentially be that person for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of CEOs, business owners are always like, nobody else can do it as good as me. And I think that's probably true, Billy. I've seen the way that you work and you're really good at what you do, the way you communicate and the way you get stuff done. But if you burn out or you can't get it all done, right, that's where it hurts you. However, if you're able to delegate to somebody else and they can do it, maybe it's eight or nine out of 10. It's still okay because the client's still getting results and might not be as good as you, but it allows you more time to potentially do other things, serve more clients. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that's spot on. You can definitely burn out pretty quickly and it's absolutely dire that you don't take everything on yourself because eventually, like you said, you will burn out. And I've been there where I've just needed some time off. Like when we had our last baby, I took a couple months off and it was very tough to get back into it. And I realized like I was just so busy before that I didn't slow down and I needed some time of rest. So it was really good. We had the baby to kind of force me to be at home, be with the kids, be with the family, but uh, you can get sucked into that really quickly and not get out of it for a while. So let's talk about the last baseball game you played. Yeah. The last baseball game or like the most recent baseball game? The most recent baseball game. Okay. That was the Savannah Bananas exhibition game where the MLBPA put on a, an alumni team against the Savannah Bananas. So if you're not familiar with the Savannah Bananas, it's a, I don't know, how would you describe it, Billy? I mean, the only way I can describe it is it's like a circus performance on a baseball field. So I've seen it. I don't know if you have, our listeners have, but it's it's a pretty cool, entertaining thing. What was it like to play in that game? It was electric. I mean, it, it was so much fun and it really brought a lot of joy to me because my family was able to go down. We were in Savannah, Georgia, which is only four and a half hour drive to down there from Atlanta. So they, they brought us down there. We got to stay in the team hotel with the kids and crammed all in one bedroom, you know, hotel room. That was an experience in itself, but the kids got to go to the field. They came on the field and like met the other players. The Savannah banana organization is all about fans first. I mean, that's one of their mottos. So they do everything they can to make the fans experience amazing even to the point of like us we go out into the state like outside the stadium before the game we dance in front of the fans we high five every fan and it just like it brings you a connection to the players that you would never get at a normal baseball field if you go to yankee stadium right now you can't get within 20 feet of any player from where you sit so it just, it's a total flip on like the normal traditions of baseball. And then the whole game is a performance as well. I mean, it's choreographed dances, it's fun things they have planned with fans, fans being like the basically volunteer, they get to volunteer and be a part of something that they've planned for fans to do and just like get them involved. It's really fun experience. I love that. And I think we're moving towards a world where customer engagement and customer or client participation is huge. And 
the way they're able those that's who they are they're fans yeah but they're their customers and the players work for those fans and i think a lot of major league players owners coaches they don't realize hey i actually work for these fans without these fans like i don't have a job how do you how do you do that though in the big leagues because it, it is it is hard because you got a job to do you got to perform on the field but you also don't want to forget you know about the fans or as a business owner now right you're running your own thing like you got to get your clients results but you also want to build relationships with them and make sure they have fun in the process like how do you balance all that and why do you think the savannah bananas do such a good job yeah i mean well the savannah bananas like those players know going into it like this is what it's about and if somebody asks you for an autograph i don't care if it's third inning fourth inning of the game and you've got a big at bat coming up their whole thing is like we're not worried about you winning games we're worried about you like winning this fan over and they they focus so heavily on it and if you can tell like by the results they're getting they had when I was down there, they said they had like 2.4 million followers on all social media, which is more than any major league team. And you're talking about established teams like the New York Yankees. This, this Savannah banana team's only been around a couple of years now. And they have more social media followers than any major league team. That, that is crazy to me because they are changing the relationship between the fans and the players. And I feel like it's speaking volumes to like what the fans are responding with because they're loving it. They're eating it up. I love it. So much to learn just as a business case study and the life case study of what they're doing there. Mm -hmm. so that's super cool. Well, Billy, any other, you know, big piece of advice you got for Dugout Nation here that will maybe challenge or change our listeners? Man, for me, it's always been about my faith. So I, I always go back to that. If, if I didn't have my faith through all the challenges of baseball, through all the stresses of baseball, I was able to lean on my faith and I feel for the guys who don't have that. It, it helped me grow exponentially just in maturity. When I got into the business world, if we're talking about the stresses I deal with in real estate, which is plenty and it, it is always constant. There's always a stress and some, every deal has some type of turbulation at some point. It's so much easier for me to kind of take a breath, zoom out, look at it from 10,000 foot view here and just realize that God's in control. And if once you relinquish that control, I mean, the stress is not as bad anymore. So, you know, that's the best piece of advice I can get. I love it, Billy. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I know our listeners are going to be thankful for this wisdom that you shared with us today. And how would somebody go about getting in contact with you? Yeah, they can send me an email to billyburnsrealty at gmail.com or they can follow me on Instagram at billyburnshouses1. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes, Billy. And thanks again for being a guest on the Dugout CEO podcast. All right. Thanks, Casey. Appreciate it. All right, Dugout Nation. What an amazing time with former big leaguer Billy Burns. I wanted to give you three main takeaways that I learned from Billy. Number one, don't compare yourself to others. Don't worry too much about what you don't have or what you're not great at or what others are better at than you. Know your gifts. Stay focused on maximizing those skill sets. Know your niche. Know your game and maximizing the tools that you do have and surround yourself with others who can help you where you're not strong. Number two, how to handle pressure and stress. He mentioned having a hope and trust in things not of this world. Whether you're in the big leagues or a business owner or a leader, you're at the top. And with that comes a lot of responsibility and often pressure. Take a breath, slow down, 
zoom out, realize that some things just aren't that big of a deal and realize that God's in control. And all you can control is your effort and not the end result. If you're able to relinquish that control, that minimizes the stress and the pressure, and all you can do is focus on your preparation. And number three, how to balance personal and professional life. People just need to learn how to put down their phones and be present wherever they are. If you're working, work. Let your family know why work is important and what that work allows you to do as a father, as a husband, right, as a dad, and why work is important. But then also explain to your family that when you're with your family, you're with your family and you're not thinking about work. And explain to your clients or your customers or your coworkers, hey, when I'm off the clock, I'm off the clock and some things just have to wait. So if you set up those clear expectations with both your family and your work, you're gonna be in really great shape and have some really healthy boundaries that allow you to balance both personal and professional life. Thank you for joining us once more for another episode of The Dugout CEO. We want to get you the tips you need to become an MVP at what you do. Sign up for our Friday Focus newsletter and you'll receive a valuable tip each Friday morning to help you build the business and life you want. You can sign up by going to CaseyCavell.com or click the link in the show notes. And make sure to hit the subscribe button so you get notification on our next episode. And one way you can help us book more great guests like this is to please leave us a rating and honest review in the Apple or Spotify podcasting app.